This is the Bogey Golf Podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to the average golfer. The podcast that helps you have more fun on the golf course. We're your hosts. I'm Larry D. Pat is here. Evan B. How many of the listeners do you think think that it's Evan saying, oh, yeah? <laughs> Probably all of them. Sounds like the Kool-Aid guy. I wish it was you saying it, though. Like, in my, in my mind, it's you saying that. Not some random cart boy at Dearborn Country Club. We are proud to be a part of the Belly Up Sports Network, bellyupsports.com. Go there for all your great content needs. And this show, as always, is sponsored by Pins and Aces. Pinsandaces.com. Use that promo code BOGEY, all caps, save 10% off your order, and we make a little bit of scratch. Um, so how are you guys? We had a Thanksgiving, a nice holiday. One of my favorite holidays, Thanksgiving. We I, saw each other on Thanksgiving. We did. We were at the Lions game. I'm thankful for seeing you. Yeah. I'm thankful for wasting uh, over $300 to uh, go to that game. So, so as we determined, you actually got them at face value because they were overpriced to begin with. Yes, that's true. So the person who sold them to you lost money. Yep. After fees and everything, they definitely lost money. Um, but who's the real sucker? The person who sold the tickets and didn't go or the asshole that uh, that went? I was really torn on not going. But as I've discussed with you, my philosophy this year is I need to enjoy every moment of this. This is what I've waited for. How much did you enjoy Thanksgiving? Um, I would have much rather had like two grand in my pocket right now. Like, was there, I would say when they tied the game off the first touchdown. That was awesome. I was a little happy, but then they missed the extra point. And <laughs> so it was basically, it goes back to my theory about being a sports fan is, is pointless and stupid and we shouldn't do it. I had about 40 seconds of happiness. So basically I was every woman I've ever slept with. But I, I was very optimistic coming out of halftime. Yeah. I uh, saw you at halftime. I, I thought we were going to win. I told you we were going to win. Yeah, but I didn't. I, when you said that you meant that, I thought that was sarcasm. No, I truly meant it. I thought we were going to win. And then we scored that quick touchdown. I'm like, cool, we're going to win. Uh, so I got to so say, where, because where's the concern level right now? My concern level is high. I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm currently a seven. I'm a zero. I do yep. still believe they will win the division. I don't, I'm not fearing no, the I Vikings over now after Monday. I am less confident in the playoff victory if this defense does not get figured out because I'm still saying it's the lack of pass rush that's really got me got me nervous it's we like we've just made a lot of quarterbacks look really really good and I don't think they're that good like we talked about Herbert I've thought was overrated and sucked for forever yeah, that game against the Lions, we said, oh, he must be good. And then he goes and plays like normal against uh, the Packers and loses and plays like shit the next game. So it's like, I don't think that he is that good. I think we made him look good. Well, I think you're underestimating our new strategy of not rushing the passer. It's going to trick teams at some point. Like, it just hasn't worked yet. We haven't Jedi mind fucked them yet. You don't see a lot of teams play 11-man zone. I know. It's it's. I mean, Aaron Glenn's just trying some different stuff now, so it's okay. Dude, Hutchinson's got me pissed off, and I I know that my expectations for him, you've said, are too high. 
They are too high. He went to the same high school as my daughter, so I've seen him play since high school. He's the only Michigan player that I like ever because, you know, he went to my daughter's school, and it's. I just think it's so cool that he like that happened. So there has to be one other Michigan player you like. You have to like Charles Woodson. No, I don't. Charles Woodson's a piece of shit. No, he likes Desmond Howard on ESPN. Like Desmond Howard, but you have to like Charles Woodson. No, fuck Charles Charles Woodson's a piece of shit. Why not? Because he's not. Yes, he is. He's not. He would not have won the Heisman if he didn't go to Michigan. He's not the best defensive player that ever played in college football. Yeah, but I don't understand why that makes him like. But I see. I I can see that. I don't know enough, but I can see. Yeah, of course. But like, why does it make him a bad guy? Right. It's not. He's overrated. Why do I gotta like him? I just, he said he's a piece of shit, though. He is a piece of shit. You see all this? He's wearing the Michigan versus everybody shirt. That's so fucking okay. Well, stupid. see, that's a different argument. And now because he's never, a piece of shit, <laughs> I can get behind you if you make that argument. Can we? All right. So can we go down that wormhole a little bit of? And I don't even know the right analogy. So you were caught cheating, literally. Uh-huh. Like it's been pro- like, like you don't take this. Well, as some people still deny it. But okay. okay. But then you, but then you somehow turn yourself into the victim and say it's you versus everybody, as if you've been wronged. Yep, that's awesome. It's uh, yeah, but when everybody is is talking trash to you, you're mad. So you said us versus everybody. So the, everybody took that, and now you're mad that everybody is versing you. But everybody's zero three currently, though. <laughs> so <laughs> I think uh, everybody needs points in the next game because <laughs> everybody needs at least like twenty one. I think. Okay, so are are we all really betting Iowa under one? Yeah, we are in the first half. Okay, I'm I'm we're taking gonna... I'm taking the over. There's no way they're getting shut out in the first half. If you bet the under in every Iowa game right now, you win every game. Did you see the last one? What was it? Twenty twenty eight. 13 10. Yep, and it was twenty three. Well, the, the fourth quarter. I was joking with these guys and. Uh, like they were. Did you watch the game actually or no? Fuck oh. no. I actually watched. I was working. You watched the Iowa game. The, I watched what? The Iowa game. Yeah, I watched the four. I watched the end of the fourth quarter. It was funny because it was tied at ten, and like Iowa called like a timeout that was like strange, but like I'm like, no, this is good. Like they want to put their defense on the field, so like they have a better shot to win. It's like opposite football, right? They, so they Iowa took the game in black and white to make it more realistic. <laughs> so Iowa throws the interception with like a minute left in the fourth, but then like Nebraska, like two plays later, throws the interception. See, like, so I was like, oh, I was right. See, they just wanted their defense out, and then their defense, like, ran it back, and, like, they got one play and then field goal. They should have so just, like, uh... defense is actually, like, the, like, the over-under at one is, like, their, their defense is the scary part in that, though, because their defense could score. That's the, that's the risk. In a tie game, late in the game, you just take a knee and play for overtime. Isn't that no, what everyone... No, neither of these teams did that. Isn't they that what everybody does? No, just, just the Bills? Just the... Just the... Just my team, huh? Well, your team gave it up with 13 seconds, but I guess 20 seconds was too much. But then they took a knee on, uh, you remember when you trolled me after because you're a fucking troll? Um, I was, I was just going to bring that up on the show today. So yeah. I'm glad, now, now that we're there. How did I troll you? Because you didn't text all day, and then the Bills lose in overtime, and you just text, what do you say, oh boy or something, CNN, yeah. is, or 60 Minutes no, I is said, next? said, uh-oh, 60 Minutes is coming up next because the, the people were mad. No, that's no. Not you were fucking trolling me, and you know it. <laughs> Evan versus Evan versus everybody, <laughs> dude. You know my bit is sixty minutes is coming up next, except on the West Coast. 
Dude, it was like 8 o'clock. That was like a half hour late. Those people were dead already. But there was some troll in there. Don't you fucking lie. There was definitely some troll in there, but there was some anger from the old people. I could sense it. I'm in Naples. There's nothing better than listening. You could sense the city staying awake a little too late that night. Listening to Tony Romo for four hours and then having your team lose and then getting a text from your one of your best friends just fucking rubbing salt in it after. So And I wasn't uh, even mad they lost because they don't ever win in overtime. Dude, 8.09 p.m. Uh-oh, 60 minutes starts now. Dude, 8.09. That was as soon as the fucking game ended. Uh-oh. That, that show was supposed to start 40 minutes before that. I know. So that's I, bad. I watched Tony Romo and Nance for three and a half hours, who probably make combined $35 million. After <laughs> 34 that, plus one. Right. <laughs> Right. Tony made 34 and Nance gets a million bucks. After that game, I had the Sunday night football game on, which was okay. Jason Garrett might be worse than Tony Romo, just he's boring. But also, I had on my local Bally Sports, the state championship game. That state championship game was the best football I watched all week. And Matt Shepard, who just got fired by the Tigers. And for a real guy, by the way. And, and Michigan versus everybody, Devin Gardner. <laughs> So much better than Jim Nance and Tony Romo. It was embarrassing. It was not even close. When you texted that, I was thinking the exact same thing. You know what they like, did? Devin Gardner was really good. He they, talked about football. Yeah, they talked about the game and what was happening <laughs> and how the play worked. And whole concept. That was it. No stupid shit. They knew what was going on. They knew what colleges the players were going to. They knew backstories about the players. It was so interesting and so good. I didn't know anything about that uh, Southfield team. And I know the quarterback's going to Kansas. Like, I know all about them now. It was it was great. I watched so much football this weekend, and that was hands down the best game I watched. Yeah. Like, well, my I'm, team's uh, all lost, so it was. Well, a, your team played a thriller, too. Yeah, but not just. Not like I had the Black Friday game, <laughs> the good, the good old forty-two to nothing jail section, and then uh, started with yeah. I had the Lions Thursday, the Spartans Friday, and then the Bills Sunday. And by the way, AJ Brown fumbled. I disagree. Then Keenan Allen didn't fumble. Because it was the same fucking play, so it can't, it can't be two different things. I agree with I agree with that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I watched the same play happen, and it be a fumble, the exact same thing. I don't think it was a fumble, and I don't think Keenan Allen's was a fumble. So, right. I well, at least call it the same, because you know it I, it really fucking pissed me off. I agree. You can, so, that cannot be argued. So, really quick side note: if you're Jerry Jones right now. Do you tell your quarterback you need to take a pay cut because after your career you'll get a big time, big high paying announcing job? Right? Because if you're a Dallas quarterback, you just automatically become like the top announcer, right? It does seem to be true, yes. So, yeah. like, if you're your, so if he's got a contract with Dak right now, he just says, no, take less now, you'll make more later. You got, well, I guess Jason Garrett was a coach. He was also a backup quarterback. with Dallas. You get like this big con- Troy Aikman, Tony Romo. I mean, it's everybody. But you're right. Jason Garrett was a quarterback. He was Troy Aikman's so. backup. Yeah. So if you're the 
So who's the last? Oh, all right. You guys keep going. I'm going down the cowboy wormhole now. <laughs> the Jerry Jones wormhole. <laughs> Did you see uh, Jimmy Johnson's getting inducted from during the Detroit game? I yeah, said he was there that day. They, why did they make that seem like it was such like a big deal and a surprise to Jimmy Johnson? Why else would he be in Carolina? Like they didn't no, even tell him at inducted to the Dallas. I know, but they they acted like Jimmy Johnson was so surprised. Well, like, he was because I thought they hated each other. Yeah, but he had him go to Carolina. Why else would you get summoned to a road game by Jerry Jones? It's not like they are on site. So he obviously knew something was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Hey, let's see what you boys know about America's team. How bad is David Tepper, by the way? Horrendous. Like, is he like the worst owner ever? Mm-hmm. Not yet, but he's he's off to a hot start. <laughs> he's coming. He's coming. I mean, he's okay, not so what I would call patient. All right, all right, what's worse? What he's doing or like, Letting like Matt Millen stay for like seven years. That's letting worse. Matt Millen stay. You think that's worse? Yes. Yes. See, I think like even if he's talking, at least he's like maybe building something. You're firing people so quickly, like it's just basically just worthless. Like any work that is being put in this year, like that quarterback they have, Bryce Young, like all new next year. Like, so it's just another year of just learning. At least like Joey Harrington got like some same coaching. I'm not saying it worked out. I think that uh, Joey GM. Right. Yeah, he had different head coaches. I think that they know what they have in Bryce Young, and they're not worried about this uh, this lost season. And I don't know how the GM didn't get fired. Right. There. Well, he's going to blame everybody else for taking Bryce Young. Yeah, because well, CJ Stroud looks like he might be good at football. That's yeah, all. Larry, yeah, but Larry called it like what, like five weeks ago. Why CJ Stroud is in Houston? Yeah. Because of Michigan's fucking stealing shit. And he did bad on that. Whatever that test was that said he couldn't read defenses is obviously flawed because because Bryce Young aced it and he threw a fucking screen pass on fourth and six. It's kind of crazy to think that if Michigan didn't cheat, Stroud could be in Carolina right now. But but wait, I, I do think, though, that quarterback success is early is a lot of situation. I agree 100%. Yeah. Correct coaching and such. Yeah, for sure. So much better situation, which is nuts to say because they were a shit show last year. How, but he's throwing to Nico Collins and the fucking old Dallas tight end and the old Buffalo Bills running back. It's not like they have a juggernaut. He's like, yeah, but schemes are important, though. But they're, 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 they're playing well. And and they have, but they hired a defensive head coach. Usually when that happens, right. you don't see offenses putting up shit tons of points. But think about our transition when the Sewell Amon Ra year. So they landed Stroud, who's obviously rookie of the year. Will Anderson, who's been awesome. Yeah, who's Tank better than Dell. fucking Hutchinson. Right. Tank Dell, who's been awesome. Yeah. This is one of those transitional drafts. Like they crushed everything. They hired the right coach and they drafted all the right guys. Okay, so back to my trivia question on America's team. Really quick though, I think Chicago's going to be good next year. I think they're going to figure it out. I think Chase Young is going to be a 49er next year. Why? Because they have $50 million in linebackers next year. You think that's going to be good? I just think they're going to be a lot better next year. Yeah, because they're going to have fucking Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Williams. 
They're going to ruin Caleb Williams. Yeah, they're going to get him, and then they're going to fucking trade Chase Young, or not Chase Young, trade uh, Fields to the 49ers, and the 49ers will give up, like, you know, 15th-round draft pick somehow, and then Fields will be the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. Because that's what happens. And Caleb Williams will never have. That's what the Bears do. That could happen. All those things could happen. Um, all right. So since 1990, the majority of Dallas Cowboys starts every year have been by three guys. There was a two-year period in between Mr. Aikman and Romo coming into play that various players were the primary starters for America's team. Actually, a three-year period. All right. Can you guys name any of those starters during that time frame? Drew Bledsoe? That's one of them. For a whole season, Drew started all 16 games. That really old rookie. What was the fuck? What was his name? Uh, I don't know. Any of these. What year is this are we talking like about? 2003 through 2005. The Jaguars drafted him, I believe. And then somehow he got on the Cowboys and he started a bunch he started a bunch of games. I don't know if this is if that's if you're describing Chad Hutchinson, yes. No. Okay. There's someone else really old. Vinny Testaverde? Testaverde. There you go. <laughs> Do we say it at the same time? Evan got it first. <laughs> we said at the same time, I didn't hear you. Chad Hutchinson, I forgot about him. And then the greatest high school athlete of all time was in there. Oh, Drew Henson? Uh Uh-huh. Drew Henson? Yeah, for a a Thanksgiving ass whooping. And then Quincy Carter. I forgot about him. He started a few games. Oh, Brandon Whedon is the old man. Thank you very much. Thank you. And he he filled in for Tony Romo during one of Romo's injuries. Who was but, but Romo's greatest Romo play in the Dash NFL was uh, botching that snap against that the Seahawks. Transition. It went Romo to Dash. Really, right away. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there was a there was a year where Romo was hurt. That was Castle, Romo, Brandon Whedon, Kellen Moore. I remember that year. Yeah, yeah. And then it's been Dak ever since. Kellen Moore was on the Lions, right? He was. From and he went to Boise State. He was. Yes. Remember our wide receiver Titus Young, who broke into the Dearborn. Police impound lot to try to steal his car back. I do. He may have had CTE issues. Is he dead? Got to be right. I he think. played at Boise State with Kellen Moore. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got to be dead. I think he died, didn't he? That's when no, we I were just taking died. second round I, I receivers. I think that other guy died, Charles Rogers. I know right. he died. The Lions killed him. You know the guy who killed him? No, the Lions killed him. Titus Jones is not dead. Prison. The Lions killed him. Like like they sent a pack of lions for him. Yeah, they got him hooked on painkillers. He was a nice young man who happened to have a few children when he was twelve, and now a he's got few children. Now he's got 12? seven. Set there's seven kids out there with no dad because of the lions. And it's not his fault. He had, he was narcoleptic. Just fell asleep at street at stoplights. <laughs> Alcohol um, may have been a factor. How does this sound for Titus Young? Like how the young was arrested on charges of assault with a deadly weapon and fel- felony battery. Following a street fight in Los Angeles, like, what a badass! So if he played for the Ravens, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. But since he played for us, he was out of football in a year. 
We just don't know how to get our street. Wasn't buddy. he the guy too that didn't he just run whatever route he wanted instead yeah, of what wanted. was called? Yeah, <laughs> this one's better. I'll just run this. Like what the f- right, cool, cool play, but I'm gonna do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a running play. Didn't he actually do pretty good in Detroit though, or for like a year? No, no. Oh, I thought he had like a solid year. Maybe thinking Maybe. of uh, Kenny Galladay. No, I thought he, I thought he had a good year. In the Michigan Penal League, but no. Pat, who was the guy, I'm thinking it's like 98-99, he caught the long pass, but time was running out, and he didn't go out of bounds, and then he got tackled at like the five, and we lost the game when a field goal would have won it. Well, was this like a playoff game? No. Like a regular season game? It was just a oh. regular game, but it was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my life. I was thinking of it because the guy in the state championship game at halftime, right before the half, didn't know how much time was left and didn't run out of bounds. When they, but they didn't have a kicker anyway, so I guess it didn't matter. So I was at a high school football game last week at Naples High, and this was the game before the state championship. And it was – they have teenagers in Naples? They do, actually. I thought, I thought you were the youngest person there. Average age? 74. So it was 10-6, which was interesting because the other game we went to was, like, really high scoring. This is a great defense. Wait a second. Is, is the average dad's age there 76 and the other 33? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So it was 10-6, and Naples has the ball on the one with, like, a minute left. QB sneak, no score. Time is running the whole time. QB sneak, second down, no score. Down to, like, 20 seconds, time's running. Third down, QB sneak, run in, who knows. Like, every play is, like, pile up. They say touchdown, 10 seconds left. Naples high takes the lead. Now, Naples high, like, lost to the same team, like, in the same round last year. It's just like, oh, okay, they got him. They didn't take it to Luth and D. Blandino for his opinion? No, even if, yeah, they probably would have done that. Ten, five seconds left, or it was 10 seconds left, they kick off. The guy runs it back 96 yards to win. No way. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> I swear. At home. This was at Naples High at home. They lose. The other team crowd storms the field. As they should. <laughs> but then the announcer guy was like, if you don't leave the field now, deputies will arrest you. <laughs> like, this guy was so bitter about the loss. Which that had to be your favorite part is laughing at that guy. Oh, yeah. This guy was funny. He, he kept bringing up the cops all night. Like a, a drone was flying over the film. The first course. if the drone doesn't leave, it will be taken off the sky by deputies. What are they going to shoot it down? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a wild. That's a wild uh, crime scene in Naples, though. <laughs> it was dark and people were out and about. It was just crazy because uh, I was reading like a, an article the next morning. So like there were there was like three guys on the field back to return it. And, like, one guy was going to, like, Auburn, and one guy was going to, like, Florida or something like that. Wow. Yeah. No, this is, like, good. This like, And these guys are, like, fast. So the third guy who's, like, not going to, like, any school, according to this article, I don't know if he must have been a senior, like, gets the ball, fake pitches it to, like, one of the guys. And I think, like, the other team, like, kind of bid on that. And he just, like, runs basically straight down the center of the field. And he was super fast, so no one could really catch him. Just, like, the whole field just kind of, like, opened up. Now, I'm not trying to stereotype too much, but I don't see a lot of guys from Naples who are going to be playing in the SEC. 
No, but this was from the Fort Myers team. I was going to ask, was this team from a little different? Yeah. Back? This was from the Fort Myers team. Okay. And these guys were wide receivers, so yeah. So they were... Assuming. So the fact that Naples even hung is pretty impressive. Well, Naples, I guess, historically, is a really good team because they get like really strong offensive lines, and they don't really throw at all. They just run. But like last week, they scored like 63. So they're like a Catholic Central. Yeah, and they the guy gets like 400 rushing yards. Now, this other team's defense was not he, – he has speed. And the, the running back – and like now their lines were kind of even, so there wasn't a lot of scoring. I, w- like, I went to a few games this fall. Was this- I've, been to, I've been to some Michigan high school football games. This is different, man. A little different. This is different. This is like real football. Like they're like throwing the ball around and like doing things like that. So that's how the that's how the Belleville Southfield game was because they're all D one players. So it was just yeah. it was different. Yeah. Um, it was. It, um, I, mean, I mean, is it First Baptist Naples or is it a different Naples? Just Naples High. It's public school. Yeah. It was I Jermaine Crowell. Jermaine, that wow. It was the year they went. They lost all the games. He ran. They were down 31-26. And but a field goal wouldn't have won then. No, but he didn't go out of bounds at the 20. Instead, he stayed in bounds, and the clock ran out instead of being able to run one more play from the 20. He had a good year at one point. Yeah. That was uh, Charlie, Charlie Batch threw for 350-something yards and three touchdowns in that game. Charlie Batch did? Yeah. God, we've had an awful history. And we so gave up. Going the right. All right, so back to where this all started. Evan, my worry meter is at zero because we're eight and three. We're first place in the division. And four weeks ago, the Niners lost three games in a row, and now they're back to being the team who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. The division yeah. is over. The Niners <laughs> lost those games, though, with, like, good players being hurt. And, and like, I, don't make excuses. But yeah, I can we get behind it. With no pass rush. It's the same thing. I don't know, we're, man. We were trying to win without rushing the quarterback. So you, have no you know who looked pretty turnover. fucking good on Thanksgiving? I'm. <laughs> I'm the guy the fucking 49ers got for free looked pretty fucking good on Thanksgiving. I'm buying into our turnover ratio during that four-day period was seven turnovers to one takeaway. That's fluky. Yeah. The non-pass yeah, rush, though, is not fluky. It's happened. Off. And all of our seven, pass rush happened in like three games. And the seven to one turnovers thing, even though we lost a turnover battle by six, we were kind we won one game and weren't blasted in the other one. Yeah, but don't, don't you think all the turnovers are on golf though? Is that like yes, part of the problem? Every one of them. Two on, two on Thanksgiving weren't. What two? When he threw to the exact right guy or when he fumbled the ball well, out of nowhere? Um, the, the the one fumble when he was following through, and then the other one when uh, Taylor Decker just decided not to block and let him get absolutely fucking destroyed from behind. That was a good reason. It um, seems like his throw. And I still accurate. don't think that was a fumble. Now I watch it a bunch of times. The guy hit his arm. The first one. Yeah, if he hits it and makes his arm go forward, it doesn't count. Is that his arm's going forward? I. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Because if that's a fumble, A.J. Brown fucking fumbled. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's dogging golf for the other fumble. Like, the one fumble was 100% his fault. That one was fluky because he was trying to throw and he got knocked out. And then the other one, his left tackle just decided not to block, and he got fucking buried. And he's got hamster hands. So what are you going to do? 
Yeah, but I feel like and maybe, maybe maybe he had a little COVID. Maybe. I think it's some something with his health, honestly. Maybe, Evan, maybe there's a little, little COVID going around the team. Maybe. It just seems like he's not as I remember Ross St. Brown was getting IVs for that one game, and he I was maybe. a fucking man. It's all I'm saying. Well, he's different. Yeah. Um, You remember on our last show, Evan said that that guy invented par? Yes. Or can, I said he invented over under. Yeah. I think he invented par. Yeah. So I did some research because. Oh, I like when you do research. Yeah. We talked about this the other day. Yeah, but we didn't. What's his name? Sherkanian? Frank Sherkanian. Yeah. He, the, he, what he's most proud of in his life or whatever is he was the first to display golfers' scores relative to par. That's what I was talking Rather about. Than the, yeah, but that's not what you said. Rather than cumulatively oh, well, making it simpler to work out how yeah, they were I, faring no. relative to the rest of the field. I use the numbers because it is true, though. It's like they used to keep scoring and be like, this guy's at like 250 through like 12, and this guy's at like 210 through like two. I was like, no, everyone, no one even knew what the hell was going on. So he's the first one to do that. So that got me onto this. Where You know, he did like CBS golf from like 1950 when they started to like almost 2000. Yeah. That's you know, he's like critical crazy. of recent innovations in golf broadcasting that he says are uh, distracting and unnecessary. Wait, say it again. He's critical of, or he was critical of new wage golf broadcasting that he, that he sees as distracting and unnecessary because they don't show enough golf. Well, that's called commercials. Well, and showing like birds and stuff. Or if you're Augusta, fake birds. He's got to be a fan of Shot Tracer, right? Like, everyone has to be a fan of Shot Tracer. Well, he's dead now. I think he's been dead before even Shot Tracer came out. I'm I a fan. Right. It is, but I I sometimes doubt the validity of, of it. But it's going to be wrong, yeah. Nothing. That's true. I want the glow puck back, damn it. Um. So have you ever wondered how or why the term par became part of the golf vernacular? Either of you? Please tell us. Educate me. So, when looking back at scores from the U.S. O- U.S. champions and U.S. Opens in the early 18 and 1900s, in those championships, a player total score was tallied by the number of strokes they took. But there was no designation explaining where they stood in relation to par. For example, Horace Rowlings won the first U.S. Open at in 1895 at Newport Country Club for 36 holes with a score of 173. His scores were 91-82. Based on Newport's Dude, par, he's a bogey golfer. par 70 layout today, that would be 34 over, 173. Bogey golfer. The word par officially entered the golf lexicon in 1911 when the USGA put it in play. I got this off the USGA website, so it's also like... Uh, that might not be true. First <laughs> career writing an article of great It's like when you being Catholic, they they put the first Bible together, which you know may or may not be true, but you have to believe it if you're Catholic. Um, but the word itself was around long before that. Uh, generally, par was used when talking about stocks, as in a stock may be above or below its normal par figure according to the USGA. For golf purposes, the USGA defined par. Do you know the definition of par? 
Evan, you're a professional. What you're supposed to do? No, I don't. <laughs> don't yeah. <laughs> the USGA defines par as the score that an expert player would be expected to make for a given hole. Par means expert play under ordinary weather conditions, allowing two strokes on the putting green. So when you make bogey, don't be so mad because an expert is supposed to make fucking par. So why did 20 under win tournaments? Because <laughs> they're better than experts. They're super. Yeah, they're professionals. <laughs> or just too easy. For Prior them. to the 1900s, par was actually a term used interchangeably with the word bogey. But bogey was, bogey was the term more universally used. I've Event- heard bogey. Or was a par. Yeah, I've heard that before. Eventually, it was decided that par would be used to identify the ideal score on a given hole, while bogey would be the term used to describe a score that recreational golfers would be happy with. And then they have kind of a breakdown of how they used to set up par threes, fours, fives, and sixes in 1911. So a par, I'd be a big fan of par sixes. Yeah, a par three. What do you think in 1911 was the Longest a par three could be. I'll say 140. 120. 225 yards. <laughs> That's fucking long. They were hitting a rock with a stick, and it could be up to 225. No wonder that guy was 37 over. <laughs> so that, that guy was supposed to, according, because he's an extra player, supposed to hit an on and one and then two putt. Yep. A okay. par four. What do you think the longest a par four could be? Well, basically. That's 800 yards. <laughs> I'll say 465. It could be 225 to 425 yards. A par five, the longest it could be? 550. Evan? I'll say 600. Evan's correct. A par five in, could be 426 to 600. And a par six could be 601 yards or more. Well, in, there are 600-yard par fives on tour now. In 1917, they changed it. What do you think a par three could be up to in 1917? Oh, my God. Wait, what was it in the first one? 225. I think it actually went down to, like, 200. I think they learned. I'm saying 200. It went down. I'll take 199.9. It went up. It could now be up to 250 yards for a par three. <laughs> 250 in 1917. Yeah. No what do you think a par four? Far. I don't. I don't have any idea how they had to be hitting one woods off the tee. So play it forward wasn't a thing. No, it was a man's game back then. Over course is like nine thousand yards. And weren't the? It was a man's game back then. <laughs> <laughs> A par four, what do you think it could be up to? 500 now. I'll say 480. 445. These numbers kind of don't really make much sense. And then a par five did not change. It was still 600, and a par six would be 601. <laughs> so why did the par three go so much? For the I don't par know. And they were last updated in 1956, which is pretty incredible if you think about it. We, they haven't changed how far a hole could be since 1956. Well, I feel like now it's more like random. I didn't know there was a rule. I thought it was just there. I mean, this is like how to be like a guideline more than a rule, right? Because I'll tell you this: I would much rather play a six hundred and ten yard par six than a five hundred and sixty yard par five. <laughs> so, just throwing this out there, I think 
1956 was the first year the Masters was on TV. I'm just saying, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but that was something that year. So was, in 1956, a par three didn't change. 250 yards. <laughs> a par four went up to 470. And a par five went from 471 and, and more, and there was no par sixes. I think the key part of all this is what you said. They were hitting a rock with a stick. Yeah. And sometimes, like, a rock might be, I don't know that it was as hard as a rock. Like, wasn't it hay wrapped in something? Feathers. Yeah. So you imagine, that's not going to go that far. Yeah, and the fairways, they didn't get any rolls, probably like longer grass. Evan, do you know the origin of the word golf? I can't say I do. Maybe I don't know everything after all. Uh, the word is not an acronym for anything. Rather, it derives linguistically from the Dutch word kalf or kalv, meaning quite simply club. In the Scottish dialect of the late 14th and 15th century, the Dutch term golf or gauf, which is the Lions quarterback. <laughs> my, who my wife may still refer to as golf, even though we go to a lot of games. <laughs> and only later in the 16th century golf. The linguistics connections between the Dutch and Scottish terms but one reflection of what was a very accurate trade industry between Dutch ports and the ports of the east coast of Scotland from the 14th through 17th century. All right, so how did the term birdie eagle and eagle come into golf? Yeah, but Nick Lindstrom played hockey for the Red Wings. (laughs) You want to talk about hockey? That one guy's fucking the other guy's mom on the Blackhawks. No, I was just throwing out the Detroit mispronunciation of Lindstrom. Well, and Kroger's and Ford's and Myers. <laughs> they um, like their S's. In 1980, the average drive on the PJ Tour was 256 yards. That's as far back as data goes. That's the par three distance. Right. So in 1917, how far was that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, they were hitting the ball further back then. They really they had a lot of speed from working in the fields all day. And it was a man's game, right? They had calluses on their hands like real men. They must have. They were swinging hickory fucking shafts. I know. There's no way they... Could you imagine walking no. up to it? Like, I would, a 250-yard par three right now, I'm hitting driver. Right. Yeah, but I think I think our... Let's say, like, on tour nowadays, there's a drivable par four. I think that, in their mind, that's a par three. If you can hit it in one... I don't care what club it is, is what they're saying. Par three. There should be no such thing as a drivable par four. Also, we might be discounting the facts that it's maybe the balls rolled a lot back then. No, I don't think they did because their fairways were too long. We're also discounting that that's the maximum. That's That's as far as it could be. That's not saying they were that far. Yeah. Okay, well, here's a good example. 12 at Plum. Plum was built in 1921. That tee box has always been there. So that hole has always been at least 200 yards since 1921. Yeah, that's a lot. That hole was easier back then than it is today, though. Because that green wasn't nearly as fast. The speed of the greens, yeah. Yeah. The the green has got so much slope now that, like, when it runs at a 12, that makes it tough. When it's running at a 4, it was like, that was just so it turned an inch. Yeah. All right, the term- Same thing with 18. 
the term birdie originated in the United States in 1899 by H.B. Martins, 50 Years of Golf. It would originate in the United States. They would do that. That is a cocky American thing. Yeah. Take the good of it and make it ours. Contains an account of a foursome match played in the Atlantic City, New Jersey. So probably Trump invented this. Um, I like how you called it in the Atlantic City, New Jersey. (laughs) Uh, One of the players, Abe Smith, relates, my ball came to rest within six inches of the cup. I said, that was a bird of a shot. I suggest that when... One of us plays a hole, and one under par. He receives double compensation. The other two agreed, and we began right away. Just as soon as the next one came, to call it a birdie. In the 19th century, American slang bird referred to anyone or anything excellent or wonderful. So we can invent something that can get legs like the word birdie? How did, so, like, I don't understand. They didn't have, like... They didn't have social media. Like, how did other people hear that some guy in Atlantic City made a bet with his friends and said it was a bird of a shot, which is, by the way, an awesome saying, and I'm going to use it next time I step on the course. Bird bird of a shot. It's way better than that's a peach, hun. That's the kind of stuff that, like, golf is such, like, a cult-like sport following that, like, they did it, and then, like, someone did it at another course because they heard about it. And then just it kind of like spreads, you know, kind of like COVID did. I shouldn't use that. That's not a good joke. That's a good joke. I chuckled. But yeah, it just spreads, you know, like it's in a pocket. And then it goes to this. Then that guy takes his horse and buggy and goes, he's in the Atlantic City, West Virginia. So you're, but so you're, what you're saying though is if people would have been locked in their house like prisoners for half a year, then it would have stopped spreading. Yeah, that the, the that's a bird wouldn't have happened then. Okay, I think they locked everyone down in what was the year eighteen ninety nine? The word bird wouldn't exist today. Two thousand twenty one, they locked everybody down. No, I know, but if, what was the year of the bird? That's a bird. Nineteen eighteen ninety nine, right? Yeah, that's when Trump invented it. Yeah, so like if if they locked you down in eighteen ninety nine, we would not be calling birdies birdies. What a world! Yeah, by analogy, been a with- new golf term. In 2020, but it got stopped. Although social media could have helped that, though. With birdie, the term eagle soon thereafter became common to refer to a score of one or better than a bird. Also, by analogy, the term albatross became common to refer to a double eagle. But see, that couldn't happen today because that's discrimination towards birdies. That's implying that an eagle or an albatross is better than all other birds. So here's here's been my question about all that. Not what really you said, but what Larry said. If I make a bogey, I'm one over. But if I make a double bogey, I'm two over. So why is it not a double birdie? Because it's got to be cooler. Yeah. I think I I have actually made a few eagles. And in my mind, I have thought that's a double birdie, though. It sounds like it makes more sense to your mind. No, it sounds like we need to come up with a new term for double bogey. thing you don't really comprehend. You make too many eagles then, because for people like Larry and I, an eagle is pretty fucking cool. I made one I this like, year. If you think about it, it's like you made two birdies in one, so why not just say you made a double birdie? I don't know. I'm going to come up with a new term for double bogey, though. Speaking of which, do you know that... Which or- I think should happen then. That I think that should happen. A different type of bird. A bird we don't like. Just call a bird, Like a goose? Call it a catastrophe. Like, what did you make? Uh, just put me down for a catastrophe. 
I feel like that's going to be like triple or worse. Well, I think, no, I think Evan's onto something. If an eagle is really good, what's like a horse, like a seagull? A swan? Yeah, no, because a swan's beautiful. What's like a rat no, bird? would be like really a- mean, though. So like well, a pigeon? A bogey is an animal or no? no I, got a sea- I got a seahawk. Pump on their bills. Oh, they're invasive. They're uh, they're ugly as fuck. Muscovies. Yeah. That. There you go. That's what a double bogey is now. A Muscovy. <laughs> Print the shirts. <laughs> All right. The term bogey, which I thought we learned a couple weeks ago, was from the devil. According to the um, USGA, the term bogey comes from a song that was popular in the British Isles in the early 1890s called The Bogeyman. Would you guys like to hear it? Yeah. Is it the boogeyman or the bogeyman? It says the bogeyman. Now, I don't know if, I don't know how this is going to come up. Oh, hang on. I was all I don't set. understand this obsession with birds when they're good. Birdie, eagle, albatross. Augusta National doesn't even allow birds on their property. Obviously, they're onto something. <laughs> because birds were associated with all good things, right? All good things were <laughs> Yeah, the, but they're they're not all, they're banned from the greatest golf course in the land. <laughs> On Wikipedia, Evan, they have a picture of Muscovy's mating for some reason. Just if you needed an image of them mating, they have one swimming, they have a white one, they have a black one, and they just have a mating pair. I hate to say Wait, that. Wait, is the like, mating pair a white one and a black one? Because that could cause some controversy. They are both mixed, so it's full interracial. Oh, good for that. I hate to say this, but I've seen. All right, here you go. Children, have you ever met the bogeyman before? No, of course you haven't, for you're much too good, I'm sure. Don't you be afraid of him if he should visit you. He's a great big coward, so I'll tell you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend that you're a crocodile, and you will find that bogeyman will run away a mile. Say shoo shoo, and stick him with a pin. Bogeyman will very nearly jump out of his skin. Say buzz buzz, just like the wasp that stings. Bogeyman will think you are an elephant with wings. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Tell him you've got soldiers in your bed, for he will never guess that they are only made of lead. Say hush hush, he'll think that you're asleep. If you make a lovely snore away, he'll softly creep. Sing this tune, you children one and all. Bogeyman will run away, he'll think it's Henry Hall. When the shadows of the evening creep across the sky, and your mommy comes upstairs to sing a lullaby, tell her that the bogeyman no longer frightens you. Uncle Henry's very kindly told you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend your teddy bear's a dog. Then shout out, fetch him, teddy, and he'll hop off like a frog. 
he'll think you may scratch and that will make him fall down flat. Just pretend he isn't really there. You will find that Bogeyman will finish in thin air. Here's one way to catch him without fail. Just keep a little salt with you and put it on his tail. I think finish in thin air meant something different back then. I didn't think we were going to get the whole song. I mean, I think it was a banger. I didn't know I when to was, cut it off. I feel like I was watching Tommy Jerry or something like that. Um, so that's our new intro or our new intro music, right? Oh, 100 percent. I'm gonna. I'll get that going for next week. I'm the bogeyman. Can we give that guy's great 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 grandkids royalties every time we play it? Uh, I'm pretty sure that it sounded like a song Michael Jackson would write. That's all I'm saying. So that song started bogey. That's according to uh, the USGA, which is, I mean, for you, Jesus, right? I can't stand the USGA. I'm a USGA champion, man. Uh, golfers in Scotland and England equated the first quest for the elusive, elusive bogeyman with the quest for the elusive perfect score. By the mid to late 1890s, the term bogey score referred to the ideal score a good player could be expected to make on a hole under perfect conditions. Not an excellent player. That would be par. It also came to be used as to describe stroke play tournaments. Hence, in early rule books, we found a, we find a selection detailing the regulations for bogey competitions. It was only in the late 1900s and early 1910s that the concept of par started to emerge, this being the designated number of strokes a scratch or excellent player could be expected to make on a hole in ideal conditions. This is the way par was distinguished from bogey. The term itself is a standard term in sports handicapping, which simply means level or even. So, <laughs> what about the term dormy? Everybody knows what dormy is, right? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more fun to say it to someone than to hear it, I would think. But historically, now, you're, now some people... Now, are you under the class under the assumption that if you're dormy, you're down, or you're dormy, you're up? If you're dormy, you're down. You have to win every hole that's left to tie. I view it from a negative side as well. Okay. Because I've heard of people say, oh, I'm dormy. I'm four up with four to play. No, you wouldn't be dormy. The other person is dormy. Evan, is that just because Larry and I have loser mentalities? Like, we were better. Well, like, I feel like dormy is not either side. It's just a, it's a matter of fact. No, because one person is dormy. The other person isn't. No, the match is dormy, not a person, in my opinion. No, it's a person. It's not like, okay, like, I, I think it's dormy is the match, not the person. Well, you're going to find out in a minute here that you're correct. Really? Yep. Historically, the term dormy is derived from the French or Latin phrase it. dormer meaning to sleep, suggesting that a player who is dormy can relax, literally go to sleep without the fear of losing the match. 
Oh, that's before extra holes then. Evan loves that term. He, that means he has to take a nap. Like, yeah, you know, I've, ne- I've never looked at dormy as being a good thing. So it's a, they're saying it's only the positive side. Yeah, that it means the person who's winning is dormy and they can now relax because they can't lose. I feel like that's not the time to relax, so just say. While we're, while we're bringing new terms back to golf, go down and read the origin of skins, please. Okay, so wait, really quick. At what point is the number too small that dormy can't be used? Like you, one, down, one down with one to play. You can't say that. You wouldn't say you're dormy then, right? No, it's too... Like, I don't think you're dormy like on 16. Yeah. Or, so even even 17, three. if you're down two going into 17, yeah, after 60, yeah, Pat, exactly what Pat said. You're dormy, but not on 18. No. One down, one to play, you're not dormy. Because the match was either, you either were already dormy on 17, right, and won it, or the match was tied, right? I mean, there's no way it's okay, for a so match let's to. Say you're, you're three down with three to play, you're dormy. Yes, you you win you win it you win it on sixteen win the match or win the hole now you're two down with two to play you're still dormant yeah yeah you win seventeen you're one down with one to play dormant so yes no. yeah be, no you're right you're still dormant yeah because it already was being no you yeah I realize you are but you wouldn't say it though in that situation you'd say you're a choker right <laughs> well I would no, say it because I'm thinking would, of it as a bad thing still press you would say press. <laughs> So before we get to the one Pat asked for, why do golfers yell four? He, they should too. Because you allegedly can get sued if you hit someone and don't yell it. So that's why you always at least whisper it. The word four is of Scottish origin, of course. It's a shortened version for the word before or afore. The old Scottish warning essentially meaning look out ahead. Most popular most probably originated in military circles where it was used by artillerymen as a way of warning troops in forward positions. Golfers as early as the 18th century ad- simply adopted the military warning cry for use on the links. What's- I find that a lot of the old expressions are wartime expressions. Yeah, like- because I think back then, sure. like, everyone, there were a lot of wars and there weren't options. Right, and everyone. Yeah. Well, and were real. It wasn't until the pussies in the '60s <laughs> dodged Vietnam. Not me. I was there. I served. Yeah, but this, those wars were real. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Yeah. That's why if you ever see me when they're doing the uh, national anthem, I got my hat on and I am ripping off a tight salute. All right. Speaking of that, so you and I, we go to these sporting events. We're not veterans. But I feel like when people are late to stand up when they're walking out like the true American hero, I feel the urge to say something, and I never feel the urge to say anything in my life. Uh, There were people next to us who were uh, slow standing up, and Brother Nate told him to stand up. So, (laughs) And he is not super patriotic, but when those guys come out, No one will top that four years ago, that 100-year-old man who stood up out of that fucking wheelchair and made me cry at Fort Field. Don't make me cry again right now. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life when that man stood up. 
having this guy, they're like, in World War II, he saved this people's lives by dragging them 17 miles over a mountain. That's And insane. he was like, he was had to be 100 years old, and he was in a wheelchair, yep. and he stood up and saluted. I almost died. That's the greatest generation. I'm I, just I'm not just saying that. That's sincere. I will say this, though, Pat. and The generation after is a little questionable. Brother Nate pointed this out. When those people were out there, Calvin Johnson always went and shook their hands. Always. Not one lion or uh, Packer went over to those those two people. It's a very good point. Yeah. Roger, Goodell, Roger Goodell shook their hands. That was, or, or was that the Bears game? I think that was the week before, yeah. Okay, I remember Roger walking out there and people booing him. Like, so people were standing and clapping and booing at the same time. But that's one thing you can say about Calvin. He always during service month, shook the hands of the military people. You can also say Calvin's probably high right now, but that's okay. Yeah, that's true. All right, so what's the origin for the popular game of golf called Skins? Evan, any uh, any ideas? Okay, so we know Skins is you have to be the only one on a hole. Huh. I don't know. Um. As I think the, this is one of the most common forms of golf. Yeah. As a format of golf gambling, Skins has been around for decades, but really only became popular after the creations of the Skins game in the 1980s. Skins games didn't come around until the 80s? That can't be right. Maybe the 1880s. Okay. How about do more people, I mean, you might know this more as a historian, at one point was Skins the jam? Like, right now, obviously, it seems like two-man best balls, the game. Yeah, it seemed like, especially like, the 80s, you know, they used to do, like, those, like, skins games on TV. Yeah, they were right. at night. They were in uh, Under the Lights. Those aren't that good for, like, one group, though. You, a skins game, like, you need, like, 20 people. And, like, the reason why I think people don't like skins game anymore is because our society doesn't want to see, like, luck be a factor. And that's why I think in like sports you see a lot of like oh we got to review it we got to do this we got to do that we we can't we got to get it right and skin to me it's all luck but like it's just hard to have a like I agree it's hard to have a force on play skins like it's not enough people I agree you need a bigger group yes so I look at it and I say the guy you could have twenty guys play everyone throws in twenty bucks my math expert is at four hundred dollars yep the worst score. Could win the four hundred bucks for sure. One guy can make seventeen birdies and not win one. Yes, one guy can make all eighteen birdies and not get one. An eagle takes a net skin, say whatever. I think they're really fun in bigger tournaments, but I, I just i I haven't gone out with friends and said let's play skins. All right, I'll say I've this never played a four, I've never played a foursome of skins. I'll say this about skins: there's a certain amount of people that makes it good. And if you go too high or too low, it's bad. Because too, it's impossible, right? Well, if you get into like, say, say it's all equal caliber players, whether it's gross or net. If you get like over fifty, it's basically like hole out. Yeah, kind of. yeah, you'll see one or two. But it has to be a hole. Like no birdie's going to hold up, even on the hardest holes. And like even like an eagle on like an easier par five won't be good enough. I mean, like, there were weeks tr- before like, they went to players. the half stroke at in. Uh ports where there were none yeah but see that's like a different one because that's like some net and some gross like some guys are like low handicap some guys can't get i'm talking about like 
maybe pros are like all 15 handicappers, all equal. But if you're using the handicap system, it should even it out. Well, it evens it out over the course of a round, but not over the course of one hole. So it's like if I'm playing a skins game in that thing, there's probably 10 holes that I can just cross off and say, I will never want to skin on this hole no matter what. Right, because someone else, two guys are birdieing this no matter what. When you factor in strokes, yeah. Well, Evan, so what do you think, as a pro, what do you think about this? So Plum for all the events now, this skins game is a half-stroke skins game. I like it because gross doesn't lose. Right, you don't get screwed. I mean, can you imagine on a par three making a one and not getting it? Because some guy, whether you like him or not, hits his hybrid on and makes a putt. Like, really? How is that tied? I mean, I get it. He's worse than you, but come on. How, that's not right at all. I actually, as a mid-handicapper, I think the half skin is very fair to everyone. Yeah. Now, if the guy makes a hole-in-one, he should win. He's worse than you. See, but hole-in-one is almost as a – that should almost be like – there shouldn't even be strokes on par threes because of that. To me, there shouldn't be strokes on par threes. If two guys make a hole in one on one hole, they should just get all the money. Yeah. But if all you right. make a good birdie on a hole, you don't get a shot on what it would be maybe like a tougher hole. And how, how are you going to feel when some guy just cuts you making par for birdie? Like, that's just such a bad feeling. Uh, the creation of the skin game is in the 1980s. In other parts of the country, skins is also known as cats, scats, or scats. S-C-A-T-S and S-K-A-T-S. That's the same word, right? Yes. Okay. Or the last one's the cool one. This is what we're switching it to. Syndicates? Yeah. That's pretty fucking sweet. Of these, syndicates can seem seems to be the oldest term going back at least to the 1950s and possibly earlier. It has been suggested that skins, scats, etc. are simply shortened Simple versions of the term syndicates. Oh, that makes sense. Cats, short for syndicate. Yeah, I syndicates is way cooler than skins. It just sound, it sounds more official, right? Yeah. And, there, and no one can make foreskin jokes. Yeah. There's always terrible foreskin jokes. Yeah, I usually make those. Yeah, I know. Um, why are there 18 holes on a golf course, Evan, or Pat? I don't know. I think that's more like the guy passed out after 18 drinks is made up. I don't think that's real. The link is because St. Andrews had 18 holes. But didn't he used to have have 22 holes? Yeah, that's what I was going to. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Uh, The links at St. Andrews occupy a narrow strip of land along the sea. As early as the 15th century, golfers at St. Andrews established a customary route through the Undulating terrain. That's not how I thought you spelled that word. Uh, playing. U n d u l a t i n g. I feel like it's spelled exactly like it sounds. How you think you spelled? Well, I thought the word was undulating. It's un. It it's undulating. 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 Yeah, undulating. And did you think it's a Jew in the middle of like U N J E W U L? No, I thought it was U N G. Unge. Unge. Yeah. 
anyway. like I hear undulating more than undulating. Well, I am not a great speaker. That's why I do this for a job. Yeah, um, I hear more undulating. I feel like maybe I'm watching too much Trevor Immelman and Ian Baker finish them. Because they speak properly and not. Yeah, they speak their South African slash Australian English. Uh, under, under, that green was very undulating. That green at Augusta is very undulating. Just hear it. I can hear it. Playing to holes whose locations were dictated by topography. Man, this is a hard fucking read. The course that emerged featured 11 holes laid out end to end from the clubhouse to the far end of the property. One played the holes out, turned around, and played the holes in. How, what the hell did the group behind you do? You just hit over them. Oh. Like yeah, you, were, you were just swinging sticks and stones. It was like playing right? Warren Valley. Um. <laughs> For a total for a total of twenty two holes in seventeen sixty four. Several. So how do you think it made it twenty two though? If they did that, because it was already eleven holes. Because that's how much land they had. No, I know, but like you can't double it up because once you got, let's say you went straight out and you're on the eleventh green. Now where do you go? They played the same holes in. Yeah, but you go back to ten green, but you can't play two. You can't play one green to nothing. You'd have to like go back somewhere to eleven and play like eleven from a different spot. You know what I mean? If you turn around and just go back, it's not going to work out. There's you can't there's unless they go to the putting green or something like that. Well, they were just you know in a straight line, so maybe you played eleven to the tenth green. Well, I know that's what I'm saying. But if you did that all the way back, you'd be minus one hole, right? Because you get that you finish out on hole one's green, and you can't go to zero. There's no zero. Good point. Maybe there was twelve greens. Yes, or that's what I'm saying. Or maybe they played to eleven greens the side or something. Because I know in the current day they call it the loop out there. I don't think they had a putting green in 1764. <laughs> what about a man practice or something? <laughs> it was lighted. Jebediah would go out on my porches every night for people to hit their feather balls at. I got feather balls. Uh, in 1764, several of the holes were deemed too short. Sounds like 2024. And we're therefore combined. The 250 par threes. Yeah. The, yeah. the <laughs> number was reduced from 11 to 9 so that a complete round of links compromised 18 holes. When golf clubs in the UK formally recognized the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews as the rulemaking body for the sport in the late 1890s, it became necessary for many clubs to expand or reduce the length of their course to 18 holes. Prior to this this time, courses ranged in length from six holes to upwards of 20 holes. However, if golfers were to play by the official RNA rules, then their appointed round would consist of 18 holes. Where does the term mulligan come from? This is a good one. This one. You know, when you said you had something, you didn't really say this at all. I'm kind of impressed. It's like history lesson. Evan, well, I did this for prep. Behind, peek behind the curtain. We we hopped on. Larry said we got some stuff, and then we went. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did this prep for last week's show because I was so fired up about you saying that guy invented par. <laughs> it just sent me down a fucking rabbit hole. So. So, so, far, so far down a rabbit hole that you decided not to do a show. Yeah, why didn't we do? I forget what I was doing. Oh, the boy had kids over. Yeah, so I got kicked out of my own basement. 
Do you say rabbit hole or wormhole? I say rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> okay, just wondering. I feel like depending on how big the theory is, like if you're in like a dark theories you're in a wormhole because it's like dark and small down there like you're 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 population one <laughs> in this world rabbit holes like mainstream conspiracy like jfk assassination that's like that's like okay you're with everybody else in the rabbit hole wow <laughs> your mind is fucked <laughs> the wormhole is like don't go there don't in, go to the wormhole that's alex jones then some inside the mind of a troll I do love how everything with you goes conspiracy theory, though. No matter what, that's where we're going with it. It's too easy, because it's too true. Listen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Are we going to fire Alex back up more next year with it being an election year? Like, is Alex going to be back on the show more? Um, I don't know. They just Didn't they tell him they'd settle that, like, $100 billion they owed him for, like, a $1.7 million? I think it's going to go down to nothing by the time it's all said, man. He offered him, like, a uh, six-month supply of bone broth. He has, like, a year's supply of food if you ever think the apocalypse is coming. Of course he does. All right, so the the word mulligan. Now, this, according to USGA, is up for considerable debate. We're just going to assume this story is true. I don't want to know any other stories of where it came from. So this is your favorite story, then? Yeah. David Mulligan, who played... At St. Lampert Country Club in Montreal, Canada, during the 1920s, there are several versions of the David Mulligan story. Mr. Mulligan was a hotelier, which I'm guessing means he owned hotels. Why? The USGA uses fancy words. They really do. Well, no, it's because everything is from, like, the 1920, where things were just... because the USGA is the worst organization. Everything has to be, like... No, it's because it's from the 1920s. When you watch old baseball games, those guys are in suits and top hats because they're badasses. Real men. They own hotels. They have to use a word that's tough to pronounce. Yeah. Hotelier. (laughs) Um, I don't even know if you're saying that right or wrong. Probably not. great. Somebody call Paris Hilton and ask her how you say it. I think she'd pronounce it whore. Um, Mr. Mulligan. uh, In the first half of the century, a part owner and manager of the Bitmore Hotel in New York City, as well as several large Canadian hotels. One story says that the first Mulligan was an impulsive sort of event. That one day Mulligan hit a very long drive off the first tee, just not straight. And acting on impulse, reteed and hit it again. His partners found it all amusing and dedicated that the shot that Mulligan himself called a correction shot deserved a better name, so they called it a Mulligan. So <laughs> that's someone's name. Yeah, but that's, so that's, my, that's my favorite one. Story two is uh, Mulligan played regularly with a group of friends at St. Lambert, and in the morning he drove to pick up his golfing buddies. The road into the club was reportedly bumpy, he drove what? A horse and fucking buggy? Yeah, or a Model T? 1920. When was the Model T? Uh, I think that was 1910 or 05. Or, yeah, it would have been there. Yeah, that's when Ford's made it. Um, <laughs> the road into the club was reportedly bumpy and windy and just sort of generally poor. With what? Who would think the road would be bumpy? Why wasn't that shit paved? <laughs> yeah. uh, with With a bridge of bumpy road ties. An extra shot was allotted to Mulligan, the driver of the car, on the first tee because he was jumpy and shaky from the difficult drive. <laughs> oh, my God. Story oh, three. Been, uh, 
what did they call heroin back then? Before uh, it was heroin. Opium, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah. I think every Michigan golfer should get a bumpy mulligan then because everyone gets out a little shaky from those potholes. That's true. And they're not making bumpy cake anymore. Control, buddy. The roads are made of gold now. You just haven't seen them recently. <laughs> made of gold. It takes me an hour to get to work that used to be 30 minutes at the longest because it's been under construction for forever. Fix the damn roads. Uh, the story, again, identified a specific was that a moment. Drop or was that you? No, that was me. Make, oh, um, wow. Citing a day when David Mulligan showed up late to the course, having scrambled to get out of bed late and get dressed and get to the course on time, he was frazzled on the first tee, hit a poor shot, and reteed. Another Boy, version. All, all of these stories involve this guy, though. So this is the guy. Yeah, this one is uh, a different guy. Another version of the Mulligan story comes from the Essex Fells Country Club in New Jersey. This story is one of the latest and may therefore be the least credible. According to this version, the term was named after a locker room attendant at the club named John A. Buddy Mulligan, who worked at the club during the 1930s and was known for replaying shots, particularly on the first tee. If he worked there... I mean, come on, right? Like, what the fuck's he doing on the course? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. So those are uh, golf terms and, and where they came from. Don't you picture this as, like, the Hatfield and McCoys of the Mulligan family? It's like cursing each other forever i think uh good old dave mulligan <laughs> it's like the sandwich story the earl of sandwich invented it while playing cards but you know they really ate sandwiches in china way before that <laughs> right but like buddy mulligan's family like they feel so strongly about this that it's named after buddy well, good point so what a great list Odie. thank you um, and thank the USGA. God bless the USGA. The United Association. So, Evan. Grow the game. You posted on Instagram, and I feel like we should talk about it. It is the anniversary, or it was the anniversary, of uh, Tiger Woods' infamous, in, infamous first car crash. I feel like my sister's comment was pretty good. The crash heard round the world. Yeah. They broke into the Iron Bowl for this. Multiple times. Black Friday Iron Bowl. What was that all about, by the way? Black Friday Iron Bowl. I don't know. It's a good point. Yeah. But Alabama was the... This was before Alabama was good, though. I can't believe... Second year they've been Alabama. But they they were the number two ranked team, and they had to come back from 14, and they beat Auburn barely. I don't know what it is with that rivalry, but it's always, like, really close games. Yeah, they... They have some of the best uh, games. It's because those people are actually insane and I think really like hate each other. And I don't know how they get the players to believe it, but they do. And well, some, they poisoned that tree. Yeah, that, that guy did. Better had one job, right? Like, don't let anybody get behind you. Yeah, I mean, it would you would think that that would be what he was told? I mean, I would think rushing two and QB spy on fourth and 37 isn't really the not idea. I mean, I know Aaron Glenn's trying out some different stuff, so I'm hoping that he doesn't go that route at any point. So rushing two on the Hail Mary is not the move. I mean, Hail Mary? I mean, if you want to rush two. I saw a game the other day where they rushed zero. Yeah, that was funny. What game was that? Uh, Iowa. No, it, no was it was a, a pro it was, game. It was something. 
I think it was in it was in pro. It was. It might have. I think it was Thanksgiving. No, it was Chicago, Minnesota. It was Monday night. Okay. Chicago rushed zero. Yeah, they just had one lineman in, and, and he just stood there though. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't rush though. He just stood there. I don't understand why they do that. That's the same thing as Auburn did. Why are you QB spying on fourth and? You know what I would do is, is put my run running for the first of the touchdown on third for thirty yards. I'd put my running back at center. Oh, I think someone else did that. Uh, but he, 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 yeah, the Cowboys did it, and Zeke Elliott got fucking yeah. destroyed. <laughs> that was his last play ever as a Cowboy. Yeah. He didn't get that coach didn't get the uh, uh, the job yet. The announcer's job, I mean, was. We'll excited to watch America's team tomorrow. Uh, yeah, against Seattle, I might tune in. I yeah, that like uh... Detroit should really be rooting hard for Dallas. Yes, because D- D- Detroit doesn't want to see Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. No, because Geno Smith looks like fucking John Elway when he plays the Lions. Yeah, so maybe Detroit could somehow catch a break and face Minnesota in the first round with Josh Dobbs. I don't. That'd be good. Josh Dobbs. I think is benched, and I don't think. Who who's gonna make the playoffs? Because I told you who's gonna make it, and I hate that I predicted it. It's I gonna be it, it, it is gonna be Pat's right, Matthew Stafford. Yes. I hate everything about my prediction. Yep. It's gonna be Stafford, and we're gonna lose. Yes, John oh, Matthew God. Stafford comes back to Detroit for one last game. It with does like thirty, with like a broken rib in the yeah. fourth quarter. Fourth quarter coming. And back by the way, we'll go into the fourth quarter up twenty-one or something. Aaron Donald power bombs golf, and they don't call it, and he fumbles it. God, I'm watching the game in my head right now. That's exactly right. what's going to happen. And then, and then somehow we decide to put Jerry Jacobs man-to-man on Cooper Cup, and and blitz no one. We're, we're going to go with the no pressure. I don't know, though. I feel like the Rams playing too tough of a division to like, keep going. Okay. Okay. I, Evan, I want nothing to do with that. I'd rather play the fucking Eagles in the first round. But I think the 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 wild card teams could have seven or eight wins. Eh, I don't see the happens. Vikings well, winning I any guess, more games. So Rams finish at 49ers. But that game, have, that game might not matter for the 49ers with the way the Eagles are the luckiest team in fucking football and somehow have won four games in a row of being outgained and out played Boy, in all four games. Talk to Pittsburgh about that. <laughs> it might, They're it, the worst, best team in history. <laughs> us and San Fran could have something to play for. So we're all big Eagles fans on Sunday. Go Eagles. So I, I do have a trivia question, though, a golf-related trivia question. Go on. Music or no? Just go. Oh, hang on. <laughs> if he hits the right button, I'll be impressed. <laughs> Right button. I kind of like that. It was supposed to be Alex Jones. I love card checks. It's the new segment that's sweeping the nation. It's how to get better at golf with... It's Evan here. I forgot there were words in it. I was... <laughs> That's when we were doing Ask Evan uh, on Instagram, and then <laughs> social media ruined the world. So, 
Take it away, Evan. Okay. The Hero World Challenge this, this week, correct? Yeah. It's a How big deal. Tiger Woods won this tournament. It, the first year was 2000. When did it become his tournament? I think it's always been his tournament. Since he was 20? Yeah, I think in 2000 it was his. So the first year was at Greyhawk. Then we had about eight at Sherwood, one at Isleworth. Then it's all been at Albany since. I'm going to say six times. And the Greyhawk that I played in Phoenix? Yeah, it's there. Six times. I thought it was in the Bahamas. That's it's- Albany. What do you think it was Albany, New York? Yeah. So cold. I think you won it eight times. Eight times. He has won it five times. None since 2011. So this is probably the only tournament I've ever seen on tour that goes like this. Purse, first four, a million dollars. I'm sorry, winner's share. This is winner's share. Winner shares a million dollars. 1. 1.2, 1.25, 1.3, 1.35, 1.35, 1.35, 1.2, 1.2, 1 million. Actually drops and is still at 1 million ever since. Why so, is that? I don't know. Well, in 2011, when Tiger won his last one, it was 1.2 million. Then it became, it was called the Chevron World Challenge. And then it was, before that, it was called the Target World Challenge. Then it just became World Challenge, no sponsor. So maybe that's why. But then it became Northwestern Mutual World Challenge for one year. And then it's been Hero World Challenge ever since. But the purse is weak for this illustrious field that does, in fact, get world ranking points. I would like you to let the listeners know why this tournament is a fraud. This is the biggest scam of them all. Um, why, why, uh, educate the listeners, Evan. So we got a 20-person invite only, basically. It's kind of like a world rankings thing, but, you know, Tiger's in, so obviously it's, a, it's, a, it's an invite in a way. And because a lot of the good players play, it all of a sudden becomes like a very highly rated tournament. No, but this is not an elevated event, correct? It is not, but when it comes to world ranking points, they're just going to look at it and go, this field is strong. Except for one guy who's ranked 1,300 in the world who's going to hurt the average. But this is, like, going to be by, like, almost definite. I mean, from a definition standpoint, not exactly. But this is, like, right up there with a major, right? Because you have, like, the top 15 players in the world that are, like, all playing. So this, remember we had this debate, is it better? What's tougher, a small tournament with all the top players or a big tournament with, like, a good chunk of, like, say, the – you know, maybe the 50 and 150. But this hit and giggle gets a lot of points. And say, this and is not a tournament, though. I'm sorry, what you say? Like, I don't think of this as a tournament. This is more like an exhibition. But it is a tournament in terms of the world ranking. I know, but it's like, I don't feel like winning it means anything. So, Evan, is there more points for this than there would be for the Rocket Mortgage? We can do the, we can look and see after they, after the tournament's done. So here's something that's interesting, though. It is not considered a PGA Tour event. So if you do win, you do not get credit for a win. 
So does that count? So that's a, so there's no benefit for the FedEx stuff and the elevated events and all that stuff. This is not a part of that. And in addition, it's like, let's say Tiger wins. He doesn't get to 83. He's still 82, which is weird because I'm sure Sam Snead won like smaller tournaments than that. Sam Snead beat like three people nine times. Yeah, Michigan beat the school for the deaf. Um, <laughs> no, they played high school teams at once. They beat the Michigan school for the deaf. That's fact. And they beat uh, the Troy Athletic Club a couple times. Um, if you win this, does Augusta count it? No. Okay. But I would say everyone who's in the field this week is already in Augusta. The one thing I'm looking forward to is a really nice yachts. Yeah, privacy will probably... Or he sold that, didn't he? Why? Because Elon had to... I don't think he's... No, because... No, he just He just took it to one of the majors that he played I don't know if he actually... I'm just kidding. Maybe he had to give it to the chick we beat in the settlement. We threw out of his house. Oh, yeah, she's done. She dropped everything. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she did. She just said, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, okay. According to uh, Google, Tiger Woods still owned the yacht as of January 7th of this year. I think he sold. Yeah, I was just kind of saying that. Guess who Tiger will be playing with in round one? Justin Thomas. That is correct. At the 11.52 starting time. With the Fred last Hunt. group will be Max Homa and Victor Hovland. Will Zell Torres is making a long... Yeah, I actually was back. kind of excited to see him play golf. You won't. He could be 74 under, and you won't see him hit a shot. It's all Tiger. Um, Evan. Do, oh, go ahead, Pat. Do we read anything into the tea leaves that Tiger's... But 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 buddy business partner and John Rahm are not here. John Rahm's not there for the same reason why he didn't do that thing because he's going to be on Live Golf next year, which really sucks. It'll make me watch more Live Golf because now it'll be basically all the players that I like the most will be on it. So I think that then I'll just be full blown Live Golf only. So really quick, another trivia question. Add on, Tiger Woods is ranked thirteen twenty eight. What is the next worst ranked player in the field? Got to be Will Zalatoris. It is not. He is second worst after this guy. Will Zalatoris is thirty three. That's crazy. So is Jason Day the next worst, or Justin Rose? Justin Rose, thirty nine. Wow. So two and three are playing in the world. And then Tiger and Justin Rose took their spots. Yeah, Tiger was a, I think he was a uh, sponsor's invite somehow. Well, he's the sponsor. I know. That's what I'm saying as a joke. Um, <laughs> what's the best well, score? The guy who runs the hero, is, you know, doctor or whatever his name is. What's the best score ever in this event, Evan? At Albany or just ever? I think it's just ever. It's the tournament record score. Baller 61 to win. What year? Fourteen. Nope. 
later than that, right? Because I was watching golf at this time. I actually remember this. I don't know what it is. 17 or 18? 17. Good job, Pat. Right before he went into the tunnel of death. Okay. I thought it was during the first wave of greatness. What's the largest margin of victory? Spieth and Isleworth by eight. Wow. Correct and incorrect. By seven. By ten. Wow. In 2014. Damn, that is a big win. I don't care if it's a joke. Ten shots to beat other tour players, but I, that's that's crazy. Not yeah. just other tour players here, like really good ones. Yeah. Who won what, the Rocket Mortgage this year? What's the, uh, Fowler. Ricky Fowler. Fowler. Right. Yeah. Yeah, hey, in a playoff. Go ahead, go ahead and keep asking. I'm doing some research right now. What's the uh, biggest come from behind victory in this? Let's say Tiger in like 04. He beat like Ogilvy or something like that. I think no, this is. This like, isn't last oh, round comeback win. It's, I think, the most strokes they were down cumulatively to then still win the tournament. If that makes sense, the way I explained it. I don't know on this one, man. I know what saying, but I don't know. Tom Lehman in 2000 was 12 strokes down. That was the first one, I think, at Greyhawk. Yeah, you said it started in 2000. So, um, and just Really quick, really quick, because the question was asked. The Rocket Mortgage field rating is 244. Okay. Um, the Hero World Challenge is rated 130. Now I'm about to do some research. What makes what's better, higher or lower? And I'll be able to tell in just a second. Well, it's either twice as good or twice as bad. Right. And I'm going to go to a little course called Augusta National and figure it out. Until I realize I'm on the wrong guy, and I'm looking at Ricky Fowler's bio, thinking he played this year, and he didn't. Is the trophy for this cool or stupid? The, the tiger and the golf ball thing? Yeah. I think it's cool. I Okay. Pat, what do you think? Couldn't be less cool. Okay. Uh, so the Masters, for, for purposes, is 335. And what's this one? This one was one thirty, and the in the rocket mortgage was like two fifty. All right, so, this is so higher must be better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they still get like more points than like maybe like a European tour event. How is it possible that I agree with both of you about this trophy? So if it's that, more ferocious, I think it'd be cool. But I go back to the fucking saber, like the thing that you get for that Rob, like the specter or the. The yeah, the Macho Man thing. Oh yeah, that one's cool. Even the rock. I think the rock is cooler than this. Evan, why I were there two of them in two thousand? Because the one was like in December. They like did it, and the other one was like in January. It was like that. That was like when it got started. It was like it was kind of like before this tour started. If that makes sense. Okay, but if I won the trophy, I wouldn't be mad. 
If you won the trophy, you'd have a million dollars. So I think the trophy is cool, but then when I see Tiger holding it, I think it's stupid. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I, has he ever won that trophy? Yes, it's been the same trophy the entire time. It looks like a baby cat that he's holding. In Even from, I thought they like started using that trophy only in Albany. No, I have a picture of Tom Lehman holding it. Okay, never there mind. It looks like. We'll say it looks like the tiger changed, but it didn't. It's the exact same everything. Probably take a look at that. So good. I like it. 2006 tiger with his still natural teeth. 2007 tiger, that would be new teeth, correct? Honestly, I know we kind of kid around about this because this is a joke tournament. There has been like moments in it though. The one where he beat Zach Johnson, that was pretty sweet. After Zach Johnson like holed out from the drop area or whatever. And then the one where Stevie Williams took the caddy bit off, but Graham McDowell made the thirty footer and Graham McDowell pointed at Stevie Williams and said, Put it back on, we're going to the playoff. That was that stuff was kinda cool. Who but won you that? Know, like playoff. moments. You know where they fuck up in this though? Is it should either end on Monday? Or be done by 12.45 on Sunday. Oh, of course. And playing in Albany is terrible, too. It should be like West Coast primetime, and it should play like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or something like that. I totally agree with you. Right. Like yeah. You, you can't be off Sunday at noon. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't know why the tour is so reluctant to, like, not – or to like get away from that, I, I don't get it. The tiger, the trophy changed in 2015. When tiger holding that trophy? No, it's like an older tiger now. So it's not that little tiger cub. That he's no, it's holding. not like. Well, the tiger got older. Oh, it is a different tiger. Yeah, it's, you know the same stripes. Yeah, it's different. It's like it's older. It's like this is after tiger was. It's washed up tiger. Then when Charlie takes it over, it'll be young and vibrant again. Do you think he finishes? I want um, on a, on a Bahamian waitress or the tra- <laughs> <laughs> this, the seventy full tournament. Yes, you think he finishes? Yeah, but want, not. What I do we think he's going to shoot from today? Tiger Woods cuts short Wednesday program at Hero World Challenge. Yeah, I think that's fake because there's a bunch of other articles that he was only planning on playing nine the whole time. I think that's clickbait. I see. I feel like they always play nine holes. I feel like that's a new thing they do now. Maybe because it's such a small field, though, they can't do that. Yeah, I think that's clickbait. Do you think there's like 17 Bahamian children who look like him? Well, it does say, it does say here this week's tournament pro am format is eighteen holes for professionals, unlike PGA Tour events that are now using nine and nine format. <laughs> After nine holes at Albany, Woods planned to have lunch with his amateur partners, which included Hero Moto Corp executive chairman Dr. Pawin Manjal. Wait, it's not random who gets put up with Tiger? No, it's not. It's the wow. Yeah. yeah. But it was a planned lunch together. I'll tell you this. If I'm, lunch? What do you think they have for lunch? Yeah, I would like a uh, salad. A cup of baby blood and... <laughs> the, adren- the adrenochrome. 
<laughs> Love how you know the name of it. The dark web, man. I'm down those rab or I'm that's in the wormholes. <laughs> I put it on a team for you, and you just stepped up and smashed it. <laughs> can Can you imagine? Right, you're playing golf. You're in a program. You get paired with Tiger Woods, who's probably like the worst person to play with. Okay, I'm being serious. I've heard from different people that in pro-am as pro school, he's actually like not bad. Like compared to them thinking like he wouldn't do anything for you or talk to you. Like I've heard that from different people. Well, I'm just saying he's not entertaining, right? Like, but you're outside, you're playing golf, you're with like the greatest golfer in the history of the world. So it's, it's cool. And then he's like, let's go to lunch. And you got to sit at lunch with fucking tiger. <laughs> that would be the worst. Or if he really did walk off, that'd be awesome. You're all excited about the pro-am. He's like, hey, we're just playing fucking nice. He's just <laughs> banging, he's banging the fucking waitress in the parking lot where you're waiting for your dessert. <laughs> Service at this place sucks, man. I can't even get a refill on my water. Evan, what if lunch was hot dogs instead? If he was just like, hey, I'll buy. Just get a dog at the turn. I'm going home. You think Tiger... Tiger doesn't pay for things, right? Like somebody pays. Like he, it might be his money that pays, but Tiger doesn't like get a bill, right? Somebody. I don't think takes the bill. No, I don't think he even pays with his own money. Does he even have a debit card? I don't. I don't think. think so. Don't you think somebody? He's got a person, right? It's somebody's job that does that, right? It's either free or one of his workers pays. For yes, it. but Tiger, Tiger has not seen a bill. I would bet in twenty-five years. Does he have a wallet? I don't think so. Maybe with his license in it or something. I don't know, but I don't think. Which should be. Oh, yeah. Because I heard Seinfeld was on something. He was talking. And he said, like, when he takes people out to dinner, he always, like, he takes care of the check always. And it, like, he doesn't, because he doesn't want there to be a thing when it gets there where, like, people are trying to pay or whatever. And they asked him, like, how do you do it? And he's just like, well, you know, somebody somebody does it. It's somebody's job. I just tell him, make sure that I pay and the bill I don't, that never comes to the table. So somebody just hangs out with Seinfeld to pay for shit. So if Seinfeld has it, Tiger has to have it. Is Seinfeld has more money than Tiger? Maybe. No. Tiger's like a billionaire. I think Seinfeld I, might be a billionaire. Be. You think Seinfeld's a billionaire? I thought Larry David was the billionaire. Well, Jerry should have as much as Larry. Well, I guess not. Because well, Larry got the curb on top. So Jerry's is nine fifty. Tiger has to be more than that. And it's on the internet, so it's true. Yeah, but Tiger's had to split the baby a few times at a couple settlements. That's true. That is very true. I'm sure Larry's had to do it, or Jerry's. Well, no, I don't think Jerry Seinfeld's ever been married, though. Has he? He's married right now. Oh, yes. Oh. Allegedly, Tiger's at 1.07. So, chat GPT updated is just to make you write, Evan. So, I'm glad your little fucking internet bot. Larry right. David's only <laughs> worth $400 million. You said Larry's only $400 million? Yeah. He's probably had a few divorces. Well, they he just got divorced, didn't he? In 1998, he made Larry David got 250 million for the syndication of Seinfeld in 98. Yeah, but that's like forever, though. He probably didn't get all up front. 
they're probably still paying them. Yeah, but then they sold it again to Netflix because I remember in the same thing Seinfeld was talking about that he sold. Uh, he got the money from Seinfeld going to Netflix, and he also sold that comedians in cars getting coffee. That no, I didn't even know people watched that, and he got a, made a bunch of money off that shit. So what's weird is I feel like Larry David's been in my life for twenty years, and he's an old man now, and he has not aged a day. No, he's always been an old man. Twenty years. I feel like you're saying from the curb days. Yeah, because I, I don't feel like he was really part of our life during Seinfeld. No, he was, he was just the man the with the cape. <laughs> George's dad's lawyer. Yeah, he's in there every. You see him like in tiny clips, and he's Steinbrenner's voice. Have you ever seen the one where Elaine eats Peterman's cake? Yeah, the Kennedy wedding seen- cake, or the no, no. But do you know what he says about the cake? He says like, "Oh, that's like from one of the great Nazi sympathizers of the royal family." He like says that, and like I kind of miss stuff like that when I was like watching it like was younger, but I see it now. I'm like, wow. I can't believe they said that. So have you guys both fully rewatched it? Yeah, I, I've seen every episode episode of Seinfeld tons of times. Me Curb too. Your but like, I'm had, had like, the episode where Larry David's dating the late, the fatwa sex. <laughs> it's the best sex you can have because <laughs> she, she wants him dead. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I do feel like that last season, Larry didn't give a fuck with all the fatwa stuff. It was, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck ever. It's all, every, that show is possibly the greatest show ever made. You think Curb is? Yes. I agree. I could watch Curb. Seinfeld is great, too. I've watched Seinfeld hundreds and hundreds of times, and I love it. Curb is just because it's a different level because it's on HBO. It's not innuendo. It's just, and then when JB Smoove gets there, it's just like, it's just, it's just ridiculous, but hilarious. It's so good. I randomly just watch episodes on planes. I might just pick a random episode of any season. So as you know, I've been rewatching cheers because I haven't watched it in a long time. I might throw, some curb in and you can just pick and you can start anywhere because it's not like it matters it doesn't <laughs> loop in everyone is about nothing how is how is re-watching cheers for our older listeners cheers is in the show cheers is a very funny it's funnier than i remember it being and is it because you're an adult and you understand it better or it's just age that well i feel like it's just age that well when did Cheers start? Like eighty five, or even before that? I think I think it was yeah, like eighty four, eighty five. And it's eighty two. Eighty two. In the first season, they have an episode with a bunch of gay jokes in it that like, but it's not making fun of gay people. It's like, I don't know. It was like funny though. So have you got the points where Diane's left yet, or is Diane still? She's, the show? she's still there. I think she leaves in like season five. But I started watching it because I've been watch. I rewatched all of Frasier. How was that to rewatch? It's fucking hilarious. They don't make TV like that anymore, man. There's nothing good on TV. Yeah, because there can't be anything good on TV. 
But is that true? Like, because every oh, time, like, it's, you're going to be offended and, oh, you're going to, oh, you can't make a joke. Oh, it's everyone's mad. Well, like, I'm Always like, Sunny is. Always like That's a new character you brought to this show. If you watch an episode of Seinfeld, there's, like, probably ten jokes in, like, any episode they couldn't even say today, allegedly. But I don't think that's true because Always Sunny does that shit all the, like, still. Who does that shit? Always Sunny. I never even heard of that. Oh. I've never watched an episode of it. I know people love it. I've never watched Always it. Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a very funny is, show. Is it new show or is it old? It's still on, but it's been on for like probably 15 or 16 years. It's They're still doing new episodes, though. Yeah. But they're it was, like... It's, it's on FX, right? Yeah. But the season's like 10 episodes. Fred Savage is an executive producer. Yeah, and it is that Fred Savage too, I believe. All right. Well, I think we're good, right? Can we just do a whole curb show one time? I would love to do a curb your enthusiasm podcast. Why don't we add that to the mix? We just have to watch an episode of Curb, and then part of every show is we talk about it. And listeners can do it along with us. I think Evan could handle that. He can handle watching an episode of Curb. Yeah. I see like every episode. He doesn't yeah. steal his neighbor's Wi-Fi password to watch it, but. I've seen every episode, I feel like. Well, maybe not every episode. Not not some of the more recent ones. I didn't know you were a Curb guy, Evan. It's so am. recent. So what's, what's, I think like that Michael J. Fox one's probably like the best one. Where he's fucking with him and using yeah. the Parkinson's. <laughs> <laughs> when he gives him the shaked up coke or whatever the hell it was. That's good. <laughs> That's so but good. like, it's funny because like JB Smooth's like, you know, this shit don't go down in a black neighborhood or something. Like, <laughs> like, that's like, it's like fun. And he goes, if I go up there, it's gonna be Michael J. Fucked up. It's <laughs> funny. I watched the foisted one on a plane last time, and my side fucking hurt. Like I actually got the cramp in the side. I was uncomfortable for the next two hours after watching the foisted episode. Does your wife laugh at it or no? She does not find it anywhere near as funny as I do. Yeah, Crystal does not think it's funny. It must be like a man's show or something, I guess. I don't know. Does Miss Naples like it? I, I haven't really watched it with her that much. It says there's going to be a new season in February 2024. Yeah, sh- shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. What about when, uh, was it Chaz Bono? becomes a man or whatever and he knocks over all the stuff because he got the huge dick they thought he like arsoned it because everything he did was like a fire hazard hand sanitizer and like nailed down tables everywhere yeah, he didn't want to do, <laughs> do you ever watch that movie no uh really? i forget i forget what it's called but John Ham's in it, and he <laughs> he built his house. All the outlets are at eye level because outlets shouldn't be like genitals. Why do we have to hide them? They're always behind stuff. You got to crawl behind couches. All outlets should be at eye level. <laughs> you know what? I will say one character in that show who's kind of like dropped a little bit is Susie. It used to be, like, funnier in the old moments. You just, like, curse them out. I don't think they, like, really do it as much anymore. They toned her down, I think. Which I is think a little bit, yeah. 
And then Funkhauser's dead now. So like yeah, that Super like Dave. Because he was hilarious too. Yeah. Remember when Barry ruined the nephew? <laughs> yes. I like the five man club chicken. That was the chicken. One. That's a really good one. the chicken one. All right, we're all re- we're rewatching this as a family. <laughs> the one where, um, the all the Jewish people think like, he's great because he stops that person from getting baptized, but he really thinks they're trying to drown him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Give us that five star review wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Evan's putting up some pretty good stuff. Uh, at Bogey Golf Pod, Twitter at Bogey Golf Pod, Facebook the Bogey Golf Podcast, and uh, anything else? Or are we good? I'm going to watch Herb. Me I'm too. I'll have to call back tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everybody. Children, have you ever met the bogeyman before? No, of course you haven't, for you're much too good, I'm sure. Don't you be afraid of him if he should visit you. He's a great big coward, so I'll tell you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend that you're a crocodile, and you will find that bogeyman will run away a mile. Say shoo shoo, and stick him with a pin. Bogeyman will very nearly jump out of his skin. Say buzz buzz, just like the wasp that stings. Bogeyman will think you are an elephant with wings. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Tell him you've got soldiers in your bed, for he will never guess that they are only made of lead. Say hush hush, he'll think that you're asleep. If you make a lovely snore away, he'll softly creep. Sing this tune, you children one and all. Bogeyman will run away, he'll think it's Henry Hall. When the shadows of the evening creep across the sky, and your mommy comes upstairs to sing a lullaby, tell her that the bogeyman no longer frightens you. Uncle Henry's very kindly told you what to do. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend your teddy bear's a dog. Then shout out, fetch him, teddy, and he'll hop off like a frog. that you're a cat he'll think you may scratch and that will make him fall down flat just pretend he isn't really there you will find that bogeyman will finish in thin air here's one way to catch him without fail just keep a little salt with you and put it on his tail Goodbye, moron.